0: Thanks for joining me for episode nine of the Field Quiver Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Jody Thibodeau, and it's my goal in each episode to help you fill your quiver with God and the great outdoors. If you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribed and following the podcast and have your notifications turned on so that you'll know whenever new content or episodes drop. If you're looking for ways to support the show, there are several ways you can do that first just leave us a rating and review on whatever service you're listening on once you've done that go ahead and share the podcast with a couple of friends who may also be interested in the content that we have if you're looking to support us financially you can do that through fieldquiveroutdoors.com by buying some fieldquiver outdoors swag or making a donation and the last and uh Personally, most appreciated way which you can support the show is through prayer. Just say a quick prayer for both myself and the show. Now, as far as this episode in particular, I had the honor of having a conversation with professional angler Ott Defoe. Now, Ott has a rather long list of accolades making up his resume since uh, entering into professional bass fishing in 2011, just a few of these achievements include the uh, 2011 Rookie of the Year award through the Bassmaster Elite Series. He is the winner of the 2019 Bassmaster Classic. He was also the winner of the 2011 All Star Week, and this year he finished third in points for the angler of the year standing with major league fishing's bass pro tour in addition to all of this he also has eight other victories since becoming a pro angler now we didn't discuss any of this in our conversation instead just a few of the topics that we covered were his youtube channel specifically the series he co-hosted with his wife Jenny called J.O.J., which stands for Jesus, Ott, and Jenny. While we're on the topic of YouTube, I went ahead and asked him why there wasn't a fourth part to his How to Build a Crankbait series, which I would have thought uh, would have covered the painting process of the crankbait. I also went ahead and asked him while we're on the topic of crankbaits, how he came up with the various names that were utilized in Rapala's OG series. Once we finished our conversation, Ott was gracious enough to play a quick round of Me Too. But before we get into the conversation with Ott and uh, the round of Me Too, there are just a few things that have come on my radar since the last episode came out. The first of those is regarding the reintroduction of gray wolves in the Colorado, which I did mention, uh, on the previous episode, since that last episode came out, Colorado has officially, uh, reintroduced five gray wolves into the state. I'll have a link in the show notes section where you can go and read more about the release, but There were five gray wolves which were released. They were captured in Oregon, transported to Colorado before release. There were two males, I believe. Let me get my notes. There were three males, excuse me, three males and two females which were released. And the goal for Colorado is to release 10 to 15 by next March, which is... March of 2024, and a total of 30 to 50 over the next three to five years. Now, the reason Colorado is doing this is there is legislation uh, which uh, voters approved uh, with 50.91% of votes cast to reintroduce gray wolves into the state. Believe it or not, there were actually three states which refused to assist Colorado with this reintroduction, including, and these states were Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. Uh, They would not allow Colorado to capture wolves, which is why the five which were captured and released came from Oregon. But again, I'll have a link to the press release that Colorado put out about this reintroduction um i am intrigued to see what happens over the next several years in colorado uh because of this reintroduction now aside from this uh the louisiana department of wildlife and fisheries is also looking to change the regulations uh of redfish in the state waters apparently from the article i've read they're They've had put two proposals before legislators this year, and both have been shot down. It's here in my home state of South Carolina regarding wild turkeys. uh, The Department of Natural Resources uh, had 1,891 completed surveys about uh, wild turkeys. Specifically, uh, these surveys were uh, to try and determine, the population of wild turkeys in the state and whether or not uh, hunting regulations should be modified based on uh, the statistics of these surveys and other uh, actual scientific research which has been done in the state uh, about wild turkey populations. Now, based on all of the information from the public surveys to the research completed, The Department of Natural Resources has proposed three changes, uh, which will not go into effect if passed until 2025. Now, these three changes are first that uh, turkey season will start later, which would have an April 10th start date, which would be statewide. Now, this particular uh, change was proposed in 2019, but did not pass. Now, the second recommended change is a reduction in the number of days, and I'm just going to read this to make sure I get it correct, reduction in the number of days in the spring turkey season, which we only have a spring turkey season, to a 31-day season, making the season April 10th to May 10th statewide, and the last is a reduction in the spring gobbler bag limit, which would decrease the bag limit from the current three turkeys to two birds, and it would maintain the current daily limit of one bird. Um, Now, they have released the uh, results from these surveys. I don't really like the way they released the results. Uh, they've, They've only put the in favor and opposition numbers and percentages. They did not include any neutral answers or answers, uh, queries which were left blank. And if you actually read the survey questions, it wasn't just an agree, neutral, disagree. It was strongly agree, somewhat agree, neutral, somewhat disagree, strongly disagree. So, Uh, normally with your statistics, you will provide all of the data gathered so that there's no question in regard to how strong people's feelings are. Um, I'll have a link here in the show notes to those results, but you can check it out if you want. Uh, just two other quick things. Again, this one, South Carolina, uh, the best of South Carolina state parks, uh, is a, online voting survey uh, for various awards to be given to different state parks in South Carolina. Put a link to that in the show notes also, if you're interested. And lastly, since it's Christmas here in just a couple of days, the Audubon Christmas bird count is in full swing now. This is the 124th year of the Christmas bird count. And it runs from December 14th through January 5th. Again, there's a link in the show notes for you to check out. If you're interested in participating in one of the bird counts near where you live, you can find one or more in your area through that link on the Audubon website. This link is going to that homepage of sorts for the Christmas bird count. Uh, And on there you can find the history of the bird count, which goes back to 1900 uh, when the Audubon Society uh, decided to have a more scientific approach to the traditional Christmas side hunt, which was where two groups would go out and see who could uh, bag the most game and birds. And instead they decided to go out and put a scientific approach to the Christmas side hunt. And instead of harvesting animals, uh, they decided to see how many species and different birds they could count over the course of one day in an area. And it has since grown and it's, it's massive. If, if you just go to the link and uh, I can't remember what it's called specifically, but basically uh, look for where the different bird counts are going to be held. Uh, There's so many of them. It's just unreal. But before we get into the interview uh, with Ott, I just want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas and hope that you have a... Uh, great, restful, pleasurable time I- enjoying this holiday with your family, and most importantly, take the time to stop, reflect, and discuss with your family, uh, especially if you have small children, the true story of Christmas. And just take a few minutes. Just open up your Bible to the Book of Luke and just just read the story about the birth of Jesus and make sure that that takes precedence over all the food and gifts around the holiday. But without any further ado, I give you my conversation with professional angler Ot Defoe. Hey, I I appreciate you uh, joining me today on the Field Quiver Outdoors podcast. And for the folks that may be listening and watching who don't keep up with professional fishing, uh, professional bass fishing, go ahead and let them know a little bit uh, about who you are and, and your claim to fame in the sports world.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, Odd Defoe, I live in Blaine, Tennessee. Um, born and raised in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, so lived and lived in East Tennessee uh, my whole life. I've fished professionally for eighteen-ish years or so at this point, um, and married to my wife Jenny for nineteen years. We've married, um, and uh, and we've got three kids. Abby is the oldest, and we've got twins, Parker and Lizzie, that are twelve. Abby sixteen. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm just very, very thankful, very blessed to get to call professional fishing a job and, and have for a number of years now. Um, and I've and, uh, been, been very blessed on the water as far as competitions go, too. And probably my single biggest accomplishment tournament-wise would be the Bassmaster Classic uh, win here, actually in Knoxville, in 2019. So that would probably be my, my single biggest win, for sure.
0: Okay. And... But that's not your only win. You have what is it? It's nine total wins, correct? That sound that
1: sounds about right, yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I think uh I think five with Bassmaster. Six maybe. Five or six, somewhere in there. With Bassmaster and then uh and then yeah, the so the rest of them with major
0: league fishing. Okay. And folks can listen to other other podcasts and and learn more about your story with with your history of fishing but there's a couple other things that i wanted to focus on in this episode and there may be other other interviews that you've done that have kind of highlighted on this i just haven't been able to find them but uh you and your wife actually do a series on youtube called Mm -hmm. joj jesus Mm -hmm. hot and jenny yeah and i've i've started watching i'm still working on playing catch up i'll I'll watch some then I'll miss a few weeks and then I'll try and play catch up and watch, watch a few yeah. but uh it's it's a very interesting show it's basically to me it seems like it's a devotional that you guys do. Mm-hmm. Um w- why did you guys decide to start that?
1: Yeah, you know, we we uh we started it with honestly our story and and how we how we met and you know how we got to the point of where where we're at in life you know of having a having a job as a professional angler and and, and you know I, I would share my testimony in different places where I spoke different churches and you know wild game dinners and that kind of stuff and people were like man that's just and I wouldn't share all of it as much as I could get in in a you know 30 or 45 minute talk or something but people were like man it's just you all have a neat story y'all should you know you should tell that really and it's it's full length. And it's not our story, it's it's what God's done in our in our life and the way that He has, you know, put everything into place in, in different situations and different times in our life. So um that was kinda kinda the start of it. It was funny because Jenny and I had both had that thought, um, of, of doing something like that, you know, of having a of, of using the, our current fishing platform but for something greater than than just, you know, fishing tips and that kind of stuff. And and we had both individually had had those thoughts, but not really talked about it a lot, to be quite honest. Um, until until finally, I think the Holy Spirit had just put it on us both enough that we were like, "I think there's something we're supposed to be doing with this." And uh, and that was kind of when we when we decided to do it. And and even with J O J, like the way that it has, um, you know, the way that we found the guy who who came and and shoots it for us and edits it, and and you know, even just so much so as as putting that right person in our life at the right time um was a was a major blessing and and certainly a way that that you know god worked worked through that but um so at first joj started as our story and kind of kind of how we how we met dated in high school and you know all the all the things that um we we have been through together to this point in life and then to uh and then rolled it into now. Yes, it, it's it's essentially I would call it a weekly devotional. This this year we have been working out of a devotional book, and and each um, each Sunday we have a new episode of that, and we've been, you know, going through that devotional and, and sharing it. And it's it is it's a lot of fun. We certainly enjoy it, um, and and feel like it. It's uh you know it's it's reaching people that we otherwise wouldn't have a chance to.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I I know you said you're going through a devotional book now Uh what outside of the devotional uh, or just some of the other topics that you guys have discussed is there any one that sticks out in mind uh, is maybe not necessarily your favorite but one that uh, you think probably has more meaning to you uh, or yeah
1: that's a, that's a good question the, when, when you asked one that stuck out in my mind uh, last year and part of the year before, we did a uh, we would do like a word of the month, and so you know we would take take a word you know from scripture or a you know a a word that we think of you know whether that's courage or strength or faith or you know there was a lot of different words that we did that did that series on, and the the one that just sticks out in my mind honestly when you first said that is Omni, um, and and we did that on on the different Omni qualities of God. The om- and it, and I think it sticks out because most of them were really hard for us to pronounce, and I had to had to Google <laughs> the correct right way to say omniscient and omnipotent and and uh, omnipresent, you know, so to make sure that we got all of, all of God's qualities pronounced the right way and and His uh, all being, you know, kind of what omni uh, omni itself by you know by itself means. So um, yeah, He's all powerful. He's all present. He's you know all knowing. So those. Those uh, things. But, yeah, the Omni was definitely a fun month to uh, to work through.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I know uh, I've learned myself from listening to them, which it, it may seem trivial to some or insignificant to some, but uh, one of the things that I remember, uh, it, it's not even necessarily scriptural, but I guess it's it still – pertains to the Bible was I think it was in August it, it was a few weeks ago uh well more than a few weeks ago uh, but um the one where y'all were talking about the rainbow yeah and uh Jenny brought up that the God's rainbow has seven colors and Great. the pride flag has six and I never right. knew that I didn't but either, yeah. um so there there's all kinds of things that you can learn from, from watching JOJ.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah and that's I I learned that myself when we were talking about it that day filming it. Um yeah, I, I did not know, you know, that 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 they had a slightly different rainbow that they used as their you know, as their symbol. And that's um yeah, that was one that was definitely you know, I I learned in that situation myself as well.
0: Yeah. And uh, that was actually one of the other things I was going to ask you about. You've actually already mentioned as far as the videoing and the editing. Uh, I was just curious if that was something that that you did yourself, that you had an interest in, or if you <laughs> outsourced it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, we definitely outsource all, all of that. Pretty much <laughs> anything you see on our on our YouTube channel, whether that's J O J or that's you know any of the fishing content or anything. About the about the most complex thing I personally am going to edit will be a reel on Instagram. Um, about a about a minute, you know ninety seconds tops that's about the extent of my editing capacity um you know to try to do anything longer than that it's It's not Jenny or I um you know for both of us I, mentally, I don't think we could number one, we're not very talented at it either um and then there's so much else going on to to sit in front of a computer for the amount of time that it takes to make something look good um yeah, it's, it's something that neither one of us have the have the desire or the talent to do very
0: well. Okay, I got you. And like I said, um, I I enjoy watching the episodes. I appreciate that you guys do that and that you're willing to do that. And we'll put a link in the show notes for anybody who's not familiar with it. That way they can check it out as well. Uh, Because like I say, I've I've learned from it. I've learned more than just the number of colors in a rainbow. (laughs) But um, I I was just using that as an example because it was just the first thing that came to mind. But uh, aside from JOJ, uh, I've seen that you have uh, many, many other videos. There's multiple series that, that you have that you put new episodes about regularly. And some of those are um, uh, you have a casting series, a hook set series, technique of the month, your pick three, and then your pick two more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally new to bass fishing growing up it, with us. If we went fishing, it was down to the pay pond for catfish, or yeah. maybe we went, went to the lake or uh family's pond for bluegill. Yeah. but i've learned a lot from watching them but of the different series that you have which one or would you say is your favorite to record and and to do
1: yeah the uh you know the the stuff we do here in the garage um at the time it's not it's not usually real exciting um mm-hmm. you know to be quite honest because it'd be a lot more fun to be out on the river catching catching fish you know and showing a and you know showing a bait or showing how to fish something and, and that kind of stuff. But it's funny because a lot of that stuff we do here in the garage, I hear exactly what you just said, that, that, that stuff where I'm, um, you know, sitting, talking and explaining something um, is, is what a lot of people like to hear, you know, and it's, and a lot of people are able to take that information and then go apply it to their, you know, to their own fishing. They, would they be entertained by watching me catch a fish, doing what I'm talking about? Yeah, sure. But does it, does it actually educate them any better? No. You know, and, and I, and that's what's, that's, what's been interesting about it. Um, You know, probably one one of the recent ones that I think has been my favorite was going through that hook set series. Um, That that was one that I had, I'd kind of had the thought of and a, and a way to help people, um, you know, to help people understand how to set the hook properly and how it's different, you know, how it varies for, for different bait styles and stuff. And that, Hook setting, and we're actually going to do one. Uh, I think when we record, maybe next week we're going to be recording some some more stuff here. Um, we might even do one on on actually fighting fish and actually, you know, trying to trying to land fish. Because if you go if you go fishing and you don't set the hook right or you don't fight the fish right, it still ain't caught fish. You know, I mean, uh, you can do some of those things wrong and still get the fish in the boat. But you know, if you're if you're talking about going out on the water and having you know, having 10 or 12 bites and you only land three or four of them, versus going out on the water and having 10 or 12 bites and you land nine or ten of them, you know, that's, a, that's a big difference in the end of the day at, at truly how good of a day you felt like it was. So um, you know, there, there's the, the hardest part is tricking the fish to bite most of the time, but that is actually only half the battle. Okay.
0: Yeah. And I know in one of the episodes earlier this year, uh, it was the, I think it was the pick three might've been one of the pick two more, but you were talking about with the crankbaits. You, you made a reference to, uh, one of yours from the OG series okay. and the, how they're silent. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't thinking about it. I was talking about it with a guy at work, uh, that fishes a good bit also. And he said he had watched it and he was bringing up, he said, I wonder why he likes the preferred silent. So I'm just going to ask you what, why do you have a (laughs) preference for the, the silent crankbaits over one with rattles?
1: Yeah. Um, for me and I, and I've got one here hanging. This is actually, this would be a cool thing to, uh, to show on there. I think, um, got some dogs running here in the background. Um, but uh, th- this is actually one of the first, uh, go upstairs, go, on, go upstairs. Um, that's one of the first OGs, of uh, prototype that I had that I had built. Um, that, actually, I've got a hanging here on the net that I've got a bunch of stuff on. But um, this bait is silent, doesn't doesn't have any, any rattles in it or anything. Go upstairs, go. On. Um, but if you take that bait, it's got hooks, it's got split rings, it's got all the hardware on it. Just shaking it back and forth the way it would swim in the water. It makes a lot of noise, honestly, on its mm-hmm. own. It's it's, yeah, it doesn't have its own rattle, but it's swimming through the water. There's a lot of sound that comes off of that thing anyway. I, I've I've never threw a cast that much for shad, but I've snagged shad and I've I've had them in the water for. You know what they don't do when you shake them? They don't rattle.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> so so to, to <laughs> me to me personally like. Why, why I would ever want, especially a shad-colored bait, whoops, there, uh, why I would ever want a shad-colored bait to rattle, Like, I, I, for me, I just could never wrap my brain around it personally. Uh, um, and then I, I fished a lot of baits growing up, shad wrap being one of them um, that were silent baits that I caught lots and lots and lots of bass on. And and would catch fish around other people fishing similar baits that did have rattles that weren't catching as many as I did. So so just history in itself, for me, I just saw more times than not that a non-rattling bait caught more fish. Now, I will say, if you're trying to imitate crawfish, I do think a rattle can have benefits, especially like a a wiggle wart style bait, something like that. And I've caught a lot of fish on baits with rattles. Um, A lot of the DT series has, has a low rattle. It's not a real loud, it's not a bunch of BBs or something, but... Um, it's not that you can't catch fish on a rattling bait, uh, you know, obviously a lot of fish have been caught on a, on a rattling bait. I've caught piles of fish on a rattle trap, so it does work. But if I'm, if I'm going to design a bait and it's going to have my name on it, as far as a crankbait, especially a flat side crankbait, it probably ain't going to have rattles in it.
0: Okay. And just kind of piggybacking off of, of this in a roundabout way, I, I think that everything we do, we do for a reason. Mm-hmm. and uh that's that's the reason that yours are silent but um going off from that we'll also go ahead and talk about the OG series i just wanted to ask you something about it uh as far as the naming
1: yeah. of
0: the Rocco where where did that name come from
1: yeah um
0: so when we came up with the with the OG series just
1: the the family as a whole um you know we were we were kind of playing a a double role with the name og being off garage where i'm sitting at right now for one but also the you know the the term of og being like the original gangster so you know kind of being the um you know being the og of something um mm-hmm. and and so with that in mind that was where rapla had like they, they came up with this list of names that were kind of gangstery type of names slim tiny Rocco. You know that that type of stuff was was on those uh, on that list of names, so that was Rocco was okay. one on there and when we when we came with square bill, we were like you know we need a you know a tough kinda <coughs> excuse me you know a tough name like that, and Rocco seemed to seemed to fit the bill pretty good
0: okay and uh just going going to an extent with that, just kind of mm-hmm. piggybacking even more uh with the the odds uh now. Uh, if anybody's looked into you, they know Ot is not your actual name. Yeah. Um. It's it's more of just a nickname. Yeah. Right. Now, what's what's the back story on that? <coughs>
1: well, the the back story is nobody in my immediate family growing up, my mom and dad, my brother, um, none of us go by our legal names. None of us. Um. And so I'm, my dad is uh, is Alan Roy. He goes by Bud. My mom is Erica Elfrida. She goes by Fred or her sisters used to call her Freddie. And then they just shorten it to Fred. My brother is Charles Lee Allen. He goes by Sonny and I'm Arthur Frederick and go by Ott. Mine in particular, I had a great uncle whose name was Arthur, but his nickname was Ott. And that's, that's who I named after my great uncle. but um, but yeah, nobody in my in my immediate family growing up went by their name.
0: <laughs> okay. And so with the with the nickname with the Ot, that's where the logo that you have of an mm-hmm. otter came from. Yep. Now uh there, there are a couple of things about that. Now, I'm assuming that just because of the nickname that's how you came up with the logo. Yeah. Idea. Yeah,
1: it absolutely was. Yeah, and, and that's honestly when I was in middle school uh, high school but I feel like middle school even people would call me otter like you know I mean that was just I think uh it's a pretty natural you know name and I fished then you know on fish tournaments and stuff but it it wasn't like river otter it was just otter you know uh, just just kind of a, a funny name to you know to to if your name's odd that they're gonna add on to it a little bit but um uh, but yeah so I mean even starting in middle school people had called me had called me otter and uh and then when we were coming with a lo- coming up with a logo, and that was, it honestly was, I think 2011 was was when I first had a logo. Um, I, I think is when it was. That was when we first, you know, branding wise and that kind of stuff, understood the need of of having a logo, um, and that that otter was a, was an obvious fit. Um, the first one was not very good, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, it, it looked uh uh I, I never personally watched this show and 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 i'm not recommending that anybody watch the show but if you had ever saw on south park there was a character on there called mr hanky i think um that was very much what my first otter logo looked like <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: that, that was really similar to that but we since then got a got a much more realistic looking otter and it's a lot better than what we started with
0: (laughs) okay yeah and for those not familiar uh they can go on your website and they can see it and uh -hmm. i i I guess the one that i first saw was the one where he's laying on his back holding a fishing pole yeah but uh i also like the one that that you use with the joj where he's holding i think he's holding a bible
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 And, uh, but yeah, those, those are cool. So for anybody yeah. listening or watching, go, go to Ott's YouTube channel, uh, and website, and you can check out the logo. And you actually, you do sell merchandise still mm-hmm. with the logo on it, don't you?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. Upstairs in the, in the garage right here, we've got all, all our merch and stuff, we've got hats, t shirts, sweatshirts, um, all kinds of stuff. And yeah, we've got, we've got a couple of different logos too, as well. We've got the ones with the otter. Um, we've got a couple versions of it, and then, uh, and then also got the one that's like an ODF that's kind of, it's got the state of Tennessee and, and the TriStar for the state of Tennessee and stuff in it, too. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. And um, just moving on into uh, a, another area I wanted to ask you a, several questions about, uh, and that goes back again to the lures um, mm-hmm. uh, with the crankbaits. Now... Those who know you and know have know about you, they yeah. know that you didn't just help design the OG series. You mm-hmm. actually made one, and mm-hmm. then that's what they're based off of. Correct? Yes, that's right. the The, the very first one, Slim, um,
1: which is what that was one of the first ones of that that actually was an existing Rapala body that I was modifying and, and taking their lip out, putting a new lip in, changing the line tie all that kind of stuff. So it it was an existing bait um, that was actually discontinued. Um, and it was a decent bait, like the way it was designed and the lip it had and stuff. It was decent, but changing it to to what I did and changing it to the circuit board wheel, all, all those things um, really, really made that bait come to life. So the the first one truly was kind of a modification, um, but I did that solely on my own. I, I had those baits and had, had modified a bunch of them. And, and then, yeah, when, when we you know when Rapha was was really kind of getting into the idea of doing it. You know, I, I sent them baits. I sent them bills. I sent them you know all the stuff that I had done and um, and had modified. And that was where that was where Slim came from. The rest of the baits, um, tiny especially, tiny was a bait that I had made personally. I don't know, 15 years ago, um, and a, a bait that I had caught lots and lots of fish on. And and had a few different editions of it. I had an extremely shallow one. I had one that's basically like the regular tiny that's out now. I had one that's like deep tiny um, that just got released this year that should be. That I've already had some pictures of and seen. I think it's in some in some stores and will be um, and and more here real soon. But um, Rocco was one that was a honestly a new design. It was close to stuff I had made, but for me personally, <coughs> round body baits were very hard for me to make. Um, I don't have a Turner or anything like that so flat baits are easy but round baits are are really difficult but uh but it was kind of a new one for for all of us i you know just took some baits and kind of modified and you know some of this and some of that to get get what we wanted but um but yeah a lot of those a lot of the flat-sided baits that stuff that uh yeah it's cool to take something that i you know could cut out in here on some on some sheets of balsa and, and a scroll saw and a drill press and send it to Manufacturer such, such as Rapala, and you know, get some baits back from them.
0: Okay, so anybody listening and watching, they they can buy a uh, Rapala uh, mm-hmm. from the OG series and essentially have a lure that you designed. Now, let's talk about some lures that they can't necessarily buy that you have a hand in making. You've <laughs> been making your own crankbaits since high school, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, how did you get into that? Yeah, uh, for me
1: getting into it, it the, the guy that I grew up fishing the most with, Jason Nichols is his name, um, still a good friend of mine, and I started fishing with Jason I think when I was maybe 12 years old or so, his dad, Steve Nichols, he's passed away um, several years ago now, but uh, Steve Nichols made a lot of baits, he he was a custom custom crankbait maker, uh, made a lot of baits, well known in this area. And, uh, and Mr. Nichols was who taught me how to make crank baits. And he showed me his, his way of doing it. And, and the, you know, the method that he used And he was, he was very, they were handmade baits. Um, the only machinery he used was a scroll saw to cut the outline of the bait out. He didn't use a router. He didn't use a, a tumbler to them, He didn't even use a drill press. He would drill them by freehand, um, uh, like, I mean, he was extremely handmade crankbaits, um, but he showed me, you know, he, he taught me how he made baits. And, I, and other bait builders in this area, you know, I would talk to some and, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? Craig Powers um, is one who, who has made a lot of baits and, um, you know, was good at for doing as much of it by hand. <coughs> Excuse me, for doing as much of it by hand. Very good at making uh, a lot of baits quickly. Um, yeah, so those. But M- Mr. Nichols, Steve Nichols, was certainly who who gave me my start in it and, and and showed me the, you know, kind of got my feet wet with it.
0: Okay, and you still make them now, right? It... Yeah,
1: I, I still make a few. I don't I, just time wise, I don't make a whole bunch each year. Um, but I, I definitely still do, do still make a few. And, and you know, we we did a YouTube series on how to make a crankbait um and that that was a fun process to go through i think it ended up being a three part series and this is one of those i've got them, got them hanging here but um but yeah that's, that was a fun a fun build and and really to help you know try to help show people what all goes into to making a crankbait and it's you know if you've got the right setup which is which honestly is a a scroll saw a drill press and a router if you've got those three items you you can make quite a few baits pretty easily. It's not, it's not terribly hard. Um, I have never been a painter. I've always had buddies that are painters and they always do all that for me. Um, you know, so that's, that's, you know, always been kind of a, a thing that I've just, say like by the time I get it to this point, I am done with it. Like I want to send it to somewhere else <laughs> and get the same back ready to fish. Um, and that's kind of always been, been my deal. So I, I would like to paint, but, I, I'd like to make a whole batch of them and, and go send them off, get them painted.
0: Yeah. Cause that was actually going to be my next question because in your three part series, I watched it because I've got access to everything except well, I have a router. I just don't have a router table okay, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to attempt it at some point uh, yeah. to make my own and probably fail miserably. But um, I noticed that was the one thing that you didn't cover was the painting and the mm. finishing process. And I was going to ask you uh, what your preferred method was, which uh, apparently is somebody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's <laughs> I, I had I talked about it um, with the guy who, who shoots all, who shoots that part of our content stuff. JD um, Blackburn is his name about about doing that. And he's I like the idea of it, but to truly properly film painting a bait, like you got to have a bait in every stage of it. So you got to have a one of draw wood then you gotta have one that's sealed, then you gotta have one that's primered, then you gotta have one with the first coat. Like you gotta have, you know, there's six or eight, whatever, however many steps in, and doing a bait. You got you'd have to have a bait in every step so that you can go in and film it and be like, Okay, I'm gonna shoot this step and not have to wait six hours to film the next step. Right. Um, so we've just we've not you know we've not uh took that on at this point yet 'cause it would it would be a pain honestly to to be able to
0: try to shoot that in a in a day's time. <laughs> I got you, and now, as far as these go, you mentioned I think you mentioned in the video, I think this is where I saw it uh that you could do about ten in an hour
1: uh yeah and and that's you know with with any of that kind of stuff, and when you're trying to mass produce or just you know just multiply you're you don't you're not gonna cut the bait out and then router the bait and then drill the bait and then cut the bill slot and then start gluing stuff into one bait. Like, if you want to make several of them quickly, you want to cut out, let's say you're going to do a dozen. You want to cut out a dozen. You want to router a dozen. Then you want to drill a dozen. Then you want to cut it, you know. So, so doing, doing them all as a batch is number one, it's going to be quicker. But number two, you're going to do everything better. Because if you, if you do this step and then you move to that step, then you move to that step, then you move to that step. When you go to do the third one, it's like it's all new every single time. Where if you, you know, if you do it as a batch, every you're going to make them all a little bit more consistent doing it that way.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I know Bassmaster has an online article. Uh, it's it's several years old now, but folks can still go and find it. But it actually has a picture uh, that it looks like it's taped to your workbench.
1: But it's
0: your old price <laughs> sheet from when you first started making these, and the yeah. whole list of color options, yeah. and the price was yeah. ten dollars. Now, if you yeah. were to sell these today, what would an Art Defoe handmade crankbait cost somebody?
1: It's 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 pretty spot on, honestly. I mean, you can go to Bass Pro and get OGs for nine ninety nine or eight ninety nine. You know, if you catch them on sale, it might even be less than that. Um, i don't I don't have a funny a funny thing on that my when they first come out my mother in law she she's a very sweet lady <laughs> and i highly doubt she'll ever listen to this um so I can say most of this exactly how i want to <laughs> um she she you know it's our garage and it's it's the branding of it and everything she honest to goodness thought i made them all right over here in the garage. She honestly thought that at first. <laughs> and so, so Jenny had to explain to her that, no, mom, he's not at home, you know, uh, all hours of the day making, you know, thousands of, of baits that they're selling all across the country. So, uh, so that, that was the funny part. But, um, yeah, I, I, man, I, I, I just don't, I, yeah, I don't make any on the sale. It's pretty much a, a thing I do for, do for buddies or something, you know, um, it's pretty much, Pretty much the only people that get any of them anymore, because um, it, it, it and multiple reasons for that, but time being a big part of it, and and you know obviously with my with my association with Raffalo, that wouldn't be a bite in the hand to feed you like that wouldn't be real smart either. Right. Maybe, maybe that'll be a retirement plan when uh when I'm old and gray headed and, and nobody wants to wants me to promote anything for them anymore. I'll make a few baits then but there's I, I have seen a few on eBay that that are legitimately mine. Um, and going back to the painting deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I was talking about and, and it, back in those days, the, again, the, the guy who painted nearly everything that I made, um, uh, Gordon Monroe is his name and he still does some custom painting and stuff, I think. Um, but Gordon was who painted the vast majority of my baits. Well, i broke. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have the money to, to pay him to paint a bunch of them. So I would barter it out with him. So for mm-hmm. every two baits I got painted, he got a bait. Oh uh, okay, there. to be honest he's got he's still got more of them than I have you know, or at least did have um and 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 I sold a few in shops here and there and stuff, and people people would buy some at fishing shows and different things like that so um, I sold a few i obviously was never never a big time and never made thousands of baits that that were sold or anything, but there certainly are some of' them out there floating around that that people have that are that are baits that I made, and I'm sure some of' them have been repainted at some point um or something, but uh, yeah, I'll see a picture of one here and there. It's it's pretty neat. There's a Facebook page. It's like Woodbait Nation, mm-hmm. um, and and I'll see some on there on occasion. You know, people will will comment about them being mine and be stuff.
0: Okay, well let me ask you this: uh, since you went pro, have you ever used any of them that you made in a tournament? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, I've used yeah I've used a bunch of them I've made in, in different tournaments. Um The first. Uh, my first year on the Elite Series, um, I won the All Star event down in Alabama. It was like a postseason event. Um, part of it we fished up on Lake Jordan, part of it on the Alabama River. That part on Lake Jordan, I caught a bunch of fish on on one of my baits that was it's what tiny is. Um, it, it was that it was tiny. Um, it, it was just I caught it something different at that point in time, but uh, but yeah, it was I caught a bunch of fish in that particular tournament that that wasn't the winning part of the tournament, but I won that tournament and, and part of those fish were caught on
0: tiny. Okay. And just talking about that, talking about uh, fishing in the tournaments and, and using a, a crankbait, whether it's one that you made uh, mm-hmm. or, or one of the uh, Rapalas from your OG series. Mm-hmm. Um, what, if you're using a particular uh, tackle, and you're just not having any luck. Usually how long do you go before you either switch, switch out what you're using? Mm-hmm. And if something's not just not working, do you usually switch to something completely different uh, or just switch up colors? What what are you more inclined to do?
1: Yeah. I'm I'm more times than not. Like if I, if I go wherever, uh, you know, whether it's somewhere around here or I go to Florida or, or wherever I'm, I'm going to, I'm gonna have, because uh, I've, I've you know fished all across the country for a number of years at this point in time, and so I, I go to any body of water across the country at this point in time. When I pull up, I'm probably I'm gonna assess the situation: water color, water temperature, time of year, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm gonna get out six or eight things, maybe a, you know, maybe a, a jig, maybe two or three different crankbaits, different depths, maybe a jerk bait, maybe a Maybe a shaky head. Maybe a topwater. You know, I'm going to have out six or eight different things to start with. More times than not, I'm I'm not going to dig a whole bunch more random stuff out of the rod box. So much as I am, I'm going to use these two rods out here on the main lake. And then I'm going to go back in a cove, and I'm going to pick up these two rods. And then I'm going to go, you know, part of the way up the creek and fish these two rods. Like, I'm going to have... I'm going to have different baits that, that I think can fit multiple scenarios that are going on. And then I'm going to go try to find other areas, you know, parts of the lake that one of these scenarios is working in. is is kind of my thing more so than, you know, I'm going to pull one rod out, try that one bait or that one technique for 30 minutes or an hour, put it up and get something else out necessarily. So it's, I'm going to have six or eight different things out and I'm going to try two or three patterns. Obviously you can't necessarily at one point in time. I may try one for ten minutes, and then go try a completely different pattern for the next twenty or thirty minutes, and try something else for five minutes, and just to see if I can get something to stick. It's kind of more of the throwing everything at the wall and see if something sticks kind of program than, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this technique for two hours and and see if something happens.
0: Okay, and now that we've talked about about faith, we'll we'll kind of use uh, this as a as a segue into your faith. Um, now. I will say that this is something that I noticed. And when I first noticed it uh, earlier this year, I actually went back through all the headshots of all the pro anglers to see if you were the only one okay. that that fit this bill. But on your Jersey, just below your name, uh, you have a, a Bible verse and yep. I, I don't know. if, And you can tell me this, if the placement, there was intentional so that it would be in every headshot because I, I have seen on other guys jerseys where they have a scripture reference it's just not located where it would be in every single headshot unless they're holding right. something in in front of it um but uh yours is if i wrote this down correctly is john 15:16 john 15:16 yeah and what, what's the significance of that verse to you
1: yeah it's it's jesus speaking to his disciples and it says You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you would go and bear fruit and that that fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. And Jesus speaking that to his disciples, you know, us us being Christians were to be, you know, a lot for Jesus on this earth were were to be his disciples were to tell other people about him. That's our. That's our calling once once we've come, you know, come to Christ and to be and and as a Christian, that's what we're supposed to do. And that for me, once I once I realized that fishing was more than fishing, that it was that God was giving me a platform to be able to use to reach other people for him. That verse gained a lot of significance, honestly, in my life. The fact that, you know, I realized by reading that I didn't choose him. He chose me he He knew he knew what I was going to do before I knew what I was going to do. He knew he knew what I was going to do before my parents knew they were going to have me he had He had already chose me and appointed me at that point in time to go and bear bear fruit for him and that was um, for me when when i when I read that verse with that understanding you know i've read it I had read it before so I don't okay, it's whatever you know moved on it's that It's that deal when you read something at the right time and find the application in your life that it really sticks with you. And that was, that was that for me, uh, John, when I read that, I don't, I don't remember exactly what year that was. Um, Cause it, it's been there for over a decade at this point. Um But I was like, that's, that's my verse. That's the one right there that's going on my jersey. And and the placement wise, I wanted it as front and center, you know, or, or as relevant as I could possibly get it. And they're, they're going to put your name but but your name is as high as something that you can pick. I think other than you get like the league logo on one side and then one the spot. I think I think the only thing above your name is the league logo. I believe is okay. what it is. So so the next thing the next closest place I could put something was right below my name. And and so for us okay. that's that's just that's a non negotiable non negotiable spot. That's what goes there.
0: Okay. And if you don't mind, uh just just share your testimony of, of how you how you came to have a relationship with Christ.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I I was 12 or 13 years old, I don't remember exactly um exactly how old I was, but uh but I can remember where I was standing um you know when when I prayed to accept Christ. And for me, we had grew up going uh I didn't I didn't grow up, I should say, going to church every, you know, every weekend or regularly, honestly. Um, but the time I was probably, oh, 10 years old or so, we started, uh, my mom and dad and, and brother that's a couple of years older, we started going to church regularly and um, and started off going to a, a Methodist church and went there for a couple of years. And, and then we moved to, to a Baptist church. And after just a couple of Sundays there, um, a couple of deacons from that church that actually came to the house just to do a visit. And. Um, uh, my brother, like I said, I've got a brother that's a couple years older than, I, than a brother that's a lot older as well. Um, but uh, neither my, my brother, son, and I, had, and neither one had ever been saved or anything. And those, those deacons had came and, and they'd ask us, you know, if we had been saved and they shared the gospel with us and told us exactly, you know, how exactly what we needed to do to be saved at that point. And both of us that day um, right there standing in front of the garage at mom and dad's house prayed to receive Christ and then. Um fall through with baptism shortly after that, so that was a you know that that was a very special time and i'm uh, thankful for those deacons and i'm thankful for their their service to that church at that point in time and i'm, uh, I'm you know i'm i'm fruit because of their service and uh, and because of what jesus had called had called them to do so i'm very
0: thankful for them okay well I appreciate you sharing that mm-hmm. and uh i know you've uh you've mentioned um, in other other episodes and or other podcasts, and uh, I think you mentioned earlier, uh, also uh, as far as being able to go out and, and speak and share the gospel with mm-hmm. folks, uh, you are available, uh, obviously around your schedule, uh, dependent on the schedule with, mm-hmm. with tournaments and all, to come and speak. Uh, if somebody wanted to have you come and speak at either their men's dinner or wild game mm-hmm. banquet or their church, how how would they go about doing that? What's the best way to get in touch with you to try and schedule something?
1: Yeah, probably email is is the easiest way to do that, and it's o just like my name odefo17 at gmail dot com is probably the easiest way to to get in touch with that. So just a, okay. all all letters o d e f o e numbers one seven at gmail dot com
0: okay and i'll i'll include that as in the uh note section of okay. this of this uh, episode as well but um now that we've finished our discussion uh if you don't mind we'll we'll go into the little segment that i've started with with a called me too okay. and the whole purpose of this is just to help the listeners the audience to see just how much in common they have with you as, okay as interest and whatnot Uh, most of the questions are from the outdoor world and for those who have uh, been keeping up with the show uh, we're going to be doing a little bit different starting with and uh, instead of me just asking the same list of questions over and over uh, i will have about five or so that will be the same amongst all the guests but um, there will be some specific to uh, whatever the guest specialty is. Obviously, with in your case, it's going to be fishing-related questions. Okay. Uh, but then I'm going to also let you pick a couple of questions. I have a list of questions. And once we get uh, to that point, I'll just let you give me a couple of numbers and we'll, we'll see what you end up having to add. So <laughs> if, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and dive into it. Let's do it. All right. So the first question is what is your favorite Bible story?
1: My favorite Bible story. Um, probably. A lot, a lot of the stuff with the disciples is, is pretty, pretty fun. And, and I, I like the book of Job. um, But honestly, probably Jesus, uh, Jesus walking on the water. That's probably my coolest one because I've been on places that were very rough. And, uh, and, you know, so to see him, for him, him to walk on the water like that, uh, that's probably, that's probably my favorite one. And then I I think it, uh, you know, the, that wasn't, that's probably my favorite one. But, but then also the, um, I think it was the other storm where he was in the boat with them and he just told them, you know, he just told the waters to be still and he, and he rebukes the disciples and he's like, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. You know, that's, that's probably one of my favorite one liners. But, but I think the, I think him, Jesus walking on the water is probably, yeah, that's probably my favorite one.
0: Okay uh as far as uh places to visit that have to do with the outdoors or nature or, or God's creation in general mm-hmm. um what such as like a state park museum zoo um what is the favorite that you've ever been to what, what would you say stands out as your favorite venue outdoor venue that you've ever been to been able to visit
1: yeah um hmm. I've been in some really cool places, ain't No doubt. Uh Lake Havasu in Arizona is really cool. Um just because it's you know, it's desert, but then there's this lake there and, and it's so very different from East Tennessee. Um but man that there's nowhere like home. Like a, a sunrise right down here at the mouth of this creek where it meets the river. And the sun comes up over the upper end of this island right over here. And especially this time of year, the way the sun rises will be and how colorful they'll be. Um, or we get just a little bit later in the year. That's, I've got some really cool pictures of, of what it looks like right down here behind the house. And and I've gone so much that, man, I love it. I love to be home. Um, and, and that sitting down there. And as I'm in my camo days, I've duck hunted this morning down here on the river behind the house. Um, that's a cool place, right, right down there. <laughs> not, not bragging, you. yeah. God, we're only here because of everything God did to, to for us to be able to live here on this piece of property. Um, right. Uh, that, yeah, I, I like that one right down there as well as anywhere I've been in the world.
0: I got you. Well, now, what is one place that you have never been that you would like to go and experience?
1: Yeah. Um, hm. Somewhere I've never been, I would like to experience. Probably, I, I don't like the idea of traveling out of the country anymore, um, but I think bass fishing in South Africa is probably a place I would like to go experience. Um, I think they've got, I've always heard they've got excellent fishing. They've got some really big fish, and I think it would be really cool to be bass fishing where there's hippos. So I, I think that now you, you should be very aware of them and make sure you don't get too close to them but i think that would be pretty cool
0: <laughs> yeah okay so the next question is what food item would you consider to be a staple for a cooler for whenever you're packing for a day out on the lake or just any any other sort of an outdoor adventure
1: yeah um probably deer sticks um that's something we we typically get our deer done up and they summer sausage and, and sticks and those deer sticks on a boat are just their own time usually they got okay. cheese in them some pepper
0: of their own time okay what is an item that is on your outdoor bucket list that you have the most desire to check off
1: it would be a uh, Miriam turkey hunting trip that's what it would be so like, that's like a Western thing, I think Montana, maybe Colorado, out west, or where those Miriam uh, Miriam turkeys are. So yeah, going going to shoot a Miriam turkey would be pretty cool. I, I I got to shoot a Rio a couple years ago in Texas. It it was just a Jake, but it was still a, it was a Rio nonetheless. Right. Um, that was a that was a really cool. You know. So we've just got Eastern turkeys around here. So
0: um, yeah. Yeah, I was I was expecting considering your. um interest in turkey hunting i was expecting it to be to hit a, a grand slam of, yeah. of turkeys with all the different species but well that,
1: but that would still. Be, yeah i'll I'll take i'll take one at a time for the for now so yeah
0: I do that, that
1: grand slam and, and get all four in a year would be be pretty cool too
0: yeah all right uh bigfoot or sasquatch what what term are you going with uh um, I mean, we know it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, some some folks call it Bigfoot, some folks call it Sasquatch. Which which yeah. word are you going with?
1: Uh, I'll go Bigfoot. If I'm going to talk about it, it's going to be Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you already answered the next part was, does it exist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chris
1: Wells will, will argue with me <laughs> heatedly about that. But, yeah, yeah, Bigfoot, squats.
0: Uh, I got I, you. I don't think so. <laughs> now what is an outdoor slang term that you have either had to have someone explain to you that they've said and you didn't know what it meant or one that you've had to explain it's meaning to somebody else
1: outdoor slang term huh uh I mean it's it's, hmm Uh, Maybe walking the dog. Okay. You know, like I mean we you know, you throw on a top water bait and you're walking the dog and if somebody doesn't know fishing at all but you know, they look at yeah. you like you got two heads at that point. Yeah, walking the yeah. dog. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. That's kinda of like uh with Chris when I talked to him uh the other week, his was Take Me to the Hill. Have you heard that? <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, knows, yeah. That's the, I mean, everybody knows that one. Yeah. yeah. If you if you can make it to the hill, make yeah. <laughs> it up the hill.
0: Yeah. Um, and then uh, just two more, and then I'm gonna let you you pick. Okay. But uh, so this is where we're getting into our angling specific questions. So first off, if you were to do a bass fishing tournament, what is a rule that you would incorporate? that is not necessarily a role uh, in, in the MLF or even, even Bassmaster series now hmm, or one that I... you would change when you would remove even.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a lot I would, I would do away with. I don't like rules as a, as a whole, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that they're uh, generally they're, they're too restrictive. The, the, the easy and easy one to pick that would be out the window um would be referring to not not my nitro, but the tracker that's sitting on over there, and that jet boats would be mm-hmm. allowed, and that you could use any boat any time you wanted to. You could fish day one out of a bass boat, and day two out of a jet boat if you wanted to. Uh, okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, jet jet motors being completely um, allowed in all tournaments at any point in time would be uh, would be my absolute number one first rule
0: change that i would make (laughs) i got you and then uh the other question that that's specific to fishing is if you could only own and use one type of rod and reel setup for the rest of your life uh, of the following four options which would you go with okay either bait cast spinning spin cast or fly uh yeah
1: I only got one. It'd be a bait caster. Um, yeah, that, you know, there's stuff you can't do with it, um, but all the rest of those definitely are the most limiting, um, I, I think, a bait caster. You can fish really small, pretty light stuff on it, all the way up to really big, really heavy stuff. Um, yeah, I'd definitely go with a bait caster.
0: Okay, and what we'll do is I have uh, 15 other questions. Uh so to start out with give me a number between 1 and 15 and we'll see what you end up with. Okay. I'm going to go with 1. Okay. So what outdoors topic this is going to be a hobby, uh specific uh creature, animal, plant, place, uh anything to do with God's creation basically. Uh are an outdoor hobby? is the most intriguing to you and we'll say other than fishing because obviously okay. you have a big interest in it all things yeah. uh all things angling so outside of yeah. that what what would be your topic other so uh,
1: other uh, tell me the option to get other hobby uh, in place
0: yeah it anything to do with the outdoors uh or creation
1: okay um i'm not i'm not a big kayaker um by any means. not really a hiker unless i'm going after a turkey um i mean tur- turkey hunting is the is the obvious one that, that comes to mind and i love a lot of different parts of it um I, i'm not overly a morning person it seemed like i'm getting a more of a morning person every day it seems like the older i get <laughs> i've become more of one every single day um just a few years ago not at all um but uh but so I like it's neat to be in the woods in the dark in the morning and listen and watch everything come to life like that is that to me is a really cool part of of turkey hunting and duck hunting I think that's why I like both of them so well not that you can't do that deer hunting because you can um, but to me those two is you know that to me is just a just a, a really really cool part of it but um, but then Everything that goes along with turkey hunting and and calling them and communicating with them, um, you know, and I don't think that's again that's why I like both both turkey and and duck hunting is is you know got to that do with that communication factor that you're, you know, in a, in a sense talking to those to those birds and and trying to get them to do what you want them to do, uh, and they don't a lot of times, and I think that that's what makes it fun too. <laughs>
0: I got you. All right. And then for the last question, uh, we'll go ahead and let you pick between 2 and 15 now. How about number 9? All right. Number 9. What is your favorite? All right. This is favorite song, but it needs to fall in one of two categories. It is either a Christian song or a song that has something to do with the outdoors or nature.
1: Yeah. Uh, Crowd or Red Letters
0: okay yeah yeah that's a yeah, great no song great song
1: yeah. i like I like some Crowder red letters that's a good one you got you
0: well yeah. i appreciate you listening along and uh it, if you want to share just how much you have in common with Ott for the audience feel free to leave a comment in here how how many of your answers were the same as his and uh again thank you Ott, for letting me talk with you today it, it's been very informative i've enjoyed it uh and hopefully the folks that that have listened have also learned and and enjoyed it as well. And uh, best of luck next year in, in in your series. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Jody. No, it's been been great.
1: And uh and yeah, thank you. Thank you again for having me on. And and uh, hope hope we can do this again sometime.
0: Great. Sounds good.